Again, this is uh, um, TruthQuest, and our guest is Alan Watt. Uh, Alan, before we uh, continue this line of questioning, which I think is pretty pretty interesting, I would just like to mention to uh, our listeners that your website is www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And are there any other uh, particular websites or radio uh, show outlets you would uh, you would recommend to our listeners to uh, to kind of get get more information and ideas from from you? I, I would t- tell them really to go into um, some of the the better libraries of universities, especially the older universities, um, for histories. You don't have to go into the conspiratorial sites because these are a lot of them are set up to be misleading. And wh- when you're putting fact out there to the public, which is and it's not a good, nice message. I I wouldn't be doing this unless I had to. Um, it's not a nice message to give to the public, but it's imperative they hear it. Uh, when you give the facts out, um, you'll find that there are agencies out there. I'll call them agencies that will grab those same facts, mix it with science fiction, uh, spin it off in a loop until the average person will throw it all out the window. The baby goes with the bathwater. And that's called counterintelligence, a standard procedure. Uh, so I, I don't recommend they go into conspiracy anything. Or, uh, these guys will take any information and stick it in there, and you'll be more confused than ever. I would go into the histories of the foundations, because even Adam Weishaupt, now he was only one branch of the Beanin Order, the order of the bees, that the beehive is a symbol like Napoleon had eventually too, <clears throat> and it's like ancient uh, Cleopatra had for Egypt, uh, the perfectly ordered society. But uh, Adam Weishaupt was only one member of one group of the same affiliations that was already worldwide, and he got too big for his boots. He 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 uh, um, said too much openly. His ego got the better of him. But what he did also say was, he says, we shall set up foundations, philanthropic foundations. And through these foundations, we shall eventually dictate policies of governments. And that's that's what we have today. That's non-governmental organizations? Yes. Uh, You'll find all the non-governmental organizations are funded by the big foundations like the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford, Carnegie, etc. And... um, and the ones in Britain, too, the Rothschild have, have many of them set up there. And um, they pay the NGO groups to front for them, to demand laws changed, uh, that kind of stuff, uh, demand policy changes in government on behalf of the foundations. And sure enough, the governments are only too happy to accept. Now, the Soviet system was based upon exactly the same system, only the Politburo picked the leaders of the NGO groups who would then rally the mob demand laws get passed on behalf of the people, and again, the Politburo were quite happy to oblige them. It's the same system disguised here under different terminology, but it's exactly the same system. And you'll find that even Albert Pike of Freemasonry talked about this. He said, we shall uh, accumulate wealth by all means possible. Uh, he says, even, even with um, uh, by the stock market, by playing the stock market or rigging it, and he says, we shall become masters over the masters of the world. He's talking about financially. So uh, this is a, that was another branch of the same group. Okay. Um, it's, it's clear that you've done an enormous amount of reading. And, of course, this separates you from uh, 
you know, 99.8 or 9% of the public. So the, the problem that I see that, and I, I'm afraid I'm also in that category since I'm a professor and I've been reading a lot, uh, the problem that I have with friends uh, who are, are kind of firmly embedded in the matrix, they don't know whether to listen to me and I make sense or to Rush Limbaugh and he yeah. makes sense. <laughs> this is what yeah. a good friend of mine told me and I, I was shocked when I heard him say this because he's a smart guy. But he's yeah. a Republican and he's bought into those that set of assumptions. And yeah. without that kind of background reading, uh, I don't I don't know how you break out of the matrix. Do you have any suggestions? Well, what I find is that, uh, strangely enough, when you look at the overall picture, uh, no one can truly say they're ignorant of what's been happening in their lifetime. No one can truly say that. We've all heard that even the same uh, major media blitzes on certain topics given to us. We all live through the implementation of every country in the Western Hemisphere signing the same anti-terrorism laws, which is martial law, at the same time. Now, what kind of coincidence is that? Um, there was no difference at all in, in, the, in the, the wording and, and eventually it, it's quite obvious when you read through them that this is a, a, worse than the Soviet system when all these laws which are passed already are actually they are implemented we're going to be living in a worse hell than the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany because they're implemented to, to look for terrorism and terrorism is being expanded now right down to even thought crime uh, speech crime and all this kind of stuff it'll continue to, to expand and George Bush uh, himself wanted um, psychological evaluation of every child at every age, every year through school that would eventually go into adulthood, this is the brave new world uh, system where one day they'll say well you might have a thought crime there you might be a terrorist one day, we'll have to fix you now well, So they can't. Um, send we've all lived through this this was major media so what you're saying is that my good friend really doesn't have a very good excuse except for the will not to see what's yes. right in front of him. Because it's, really, it's too it's scary. It's coming down to that. It's too scary. Now, it's fact. also true. We've never had uh, people as we have today that have been given what Bertrand Russell called a scientific indoctrination. Uh, no one's had as much of it as we've had. That's true. We're also getting modified food. And the UN even admitted the IQ has dropped in the last few years. The IQ level doesn't drop by itself. Something causes it to happen because you're born with it. It's, it's innate. And so if the IQ is dropped and they've actually lowered the IQ level in the scoring test to make it more official, uh, what caused it to drop? What's happened in 50 years? We've had inoculation started, been pressed up, pushed to the maximum. We've seen autism go sky high. We've seen all the other grades of autism, attention deficit, and so on. These are all grades of the same problem, and, and you'll see the, the, the problems all began with inoculation. Um, we've all been worked on. We've been bioengineered, in fact. And if you were the top masters of this whole plan, and you're at war with the people of the world, you would use every weapon in your arsenal, and you'd do it as secretly as possible. And what better way than convince the public that it's all in their own interests? So uh, you, you often mention something about the uh, uh, spraying in the sky yeah. on some of your programs. You might elaborate on that a little bit. Well, you, you'll find, going back into the 50s and 60s, uh, there was a doctor, um, Teller, 
who worked for the Pentagon. Uh, he, he was the father of the H-bomb. And he came up with a plan to spray the skies with uh, metallic particles, uh, aluminum oxides, barium, and other types. And they could then use the HARP technology, that's the High Altitude Aurora Research Program, uh, electromagnetic pulsing. Uh, they could use that through the atmosphere, which would then be more conductive, and they could affect the moods, the mindsets, and even the general health of the, of the population. And uh, since the, for the last 10 years, in 98, uh, you'll find that most countries on, on the planet have been getting, uh, at the very least, weekly doses and, and very often daily doses of uh, aerial spraying. You'll see the jets going back and forth and crisscrossing the sky and leaving these, these trails behind them. Uh, they scurried at the top trying to hide it up and say, oh, it's condensation trails. I have a memory. I remember what condensation trails were like. They didn't last for more than a minute. These things last for hours, and they spread, and they create a type of haze over the sky. And uh, if it comes down, the population end up with bronchial problems and various other problems uh, because of the chemicals in the spray. Now, the spray's been tested. I did it myself, too. And it does have aluminum oxide in it and barium and other uh, metallic particles. Yeah. And their purpose in that is to modify our actions? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they found, you know, if you go into the, the HARP Treaty, uh, the Weather Warfare Treaty, uh, the United Nations signed in the 1970s, they talked about this particular HARP, that's H A A R P technology. And they have one base in Alaska, they have another one in Greenland, they have 54 worldwide, and they can triangulate them all together and focus on a whole continent if they want to. And in that treaty, it said that they can cause earthquakes, tsunamis with it, um, they, can, they can cause hurricanes, tornadoes, but they can also put a secondary signal along with the harp, which will affect the human uh, psyche, your mind. And uh, they, they, could, they could actually make you very depressed, or by adjusting the frequency, they can make you elated and, or laid back. And if you look at people today with everything that's happening, they're far too calm under the circumstances. Yeah, or, yeah. or they're in shock, <laughs> some yeah. combination thereof, yeah. Um, I, I imagine that you also, since you seem to really have this broad view, you, you're probably pretty well aware of the, the militarization of space issues as well and yep. the Star Wars strategic defense initiative kinds of funding. Uh, the kinds of uh, uh, high-tech uh, technologies that would allow one country or one group of people to win all future wars. And this is uh, yes, we are paying uh, and for all this. this hype right now that they're front men out there to stop the weaponization of space. Well, they're 30 years too late. It's already been done. And during the whole Cold War, NASA's main function, it still is, it's not to go out there and, uh, and do a Star Trek uh, series for us. It's, it's actually to, to, to service and put up these particular weapons and all the monitoring equipment that's eventually going to track every citizen on the planet. That's the real purpose of NASA. So just complete, total control of the world's population. Yes, the, the British ID card is already out. And it's not just in Britain, it's across Europe. And uh, they even have ads on television, and they have uh, it's even in their in their comedy shows where the mother says to the child, "Don't leave home without it." 
and the child says, what's that, your ID card? Some countries you can't get it in a subway or on a bus or in a taxi without it. And these have active chips in them, and they're monitored from cell phone towers, which are all across cities, they're everywhere. And that's part of the tracking. Eventually, now they've come out with, with the latest information, of course, that will lead to the next step. It's always a step-by-step acceptance by the public. It seems like a natural progression. The next step is to get an embedded chip, and you'll be tracked everywhere you go. And, and you can do it again via these cell phone towers, and again, uh, even beam them off into satellites and back again. Uh, that's what it's all set up to do. And, and in one of your articles, you, you talk about the, the kind of the vulnerability, uh, the jeopardy indeed of, of sentience itself based on the, what could happen with the chipping of people's brains. Yeah. Um, well, in the Daily Mail newspaper, that's dailymail.uk, um, a couple of days ago, there's an article published there. Uh, uh, about uh, the new types of humans that are going to be coming out shortly. Uh, They're talking about two classes forming the ones who are superior, genetically enhanced and inferior types. And the same newspapers in the past have carried articles about chips, etc., monitoring, falling, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But now they're talking as well in the same media about interfacing us with uh, computers and, and that we won't even need a uh, uh, basic memory anymore because uh, we'll be downloaded uh, like a cyborg part human part machine and how how much more beneficial it will be uh, so they're all hyping up this whole agenda and you can go back again to the writings of Isaac Asimov and uh, Arthur C. Clarke two of the big players in predictive programming they made us familiar with the ideas uh, as far back as the 1950s and 60s and these two guys belong to the World Futurist Society. That's also a huge foundation outlet. They pick certain authors. They tell them what they want the public to, to, to have in their minds. And then they tell them to write a story around it. And those two guys were picked. They went through the scenario with Isaac Asimov, where they have uh, the cyborg-type humans, uh, that the types of changes will all go through when it happens. And Arthur C. Clarke, uh, wrote the book 2001 in the 1960s because the whole agenda was to kick off in 2001, which it did. I don't know if people even realize that the, the foundations of the Pentagon were laid on September the 11th, 1941. That was a big ceremony for it. They loved that date, September the 11th. And um, Could you tell so us after why? Clark wrote about the, the, the next step is to be the unification of everything, 2010, and then is to be the... the, the um, he even goes on to the next next thousand years, three thousand and one, with the a whole new society with all the lesser types killed off. Wasn't the towers also dedicated on September 11th? Am I? Yeah, and George Bush's speech, George Bush Senior, his speech on on uh, the coming new world order, the big idea as he called it, uh, was uh, given on September 11th, 1990, and then he followed it on se- the following year, September 11th, 1991. So they love How's that for, for a coincidence? Yeah, so they love numerology then. Yeah. Well, and I can they also love to mock the public who, who, who don't remember. Yeah, and I, uh, September 11th was also the day, I believe, when uh, uh, the coup occurred in Chile, which, uh, which took out uh, democratically elected Salvador Allende and installed uh, the dictator Pinochet, who then uh, did yeah. uh, 
whatever 30 years of terrorism in, in Chile to establish a fascist regime. So, yes. so yes, they do like September 11th. <laughs> but September 11th as well. You see, uh, the, the Ides of a month go up until about the 13th. And so September, the Ides of September, uh, it goes right into uh, September the 11th, and old uh, uh, Greek, and then eventually into Roman mythology. That's when basically Athena was born. Athena is the goddess warrior, uh, almost a hermaphroditic figure, very masculine, uh, that, that was self-born uh, through the head of Zeus. Its own will brought it into existence. And so something which could never have happened by itself uh, w was willed into existence. They have brought their will, their order, into existence. Um, you've given us a little bit of their timetable that the world all comes together in 2010 and then what, what else was to follow that? A thousand well, 2010 is, is, is the complete working integration of the Americas. Okay. Uh, 2012 was to be when the United Nations declares openly that it's now in charge and we're all, we all basically provinces underneath it. So then you're talking about the North American Union and the Panama and, yeah. and the Pan-American Union, is that correct? Or? That's right. Uh, they have a whole bunch of uh, other Latin American countries lined up uh, to join. And, uh, but the main ones, of course, Canada, the U.S., Mexico, they've signed the third agreement towards integration. Now, the Council on Foreign Relations came out openly on Canadian television, uh, the CBC Corporation, um, they came out openly as their own group for the first time. In the past, they've been on as advisors to people, uh, but this time they came out as their own council on foreign relations with the logo behind them. And they, they boasted, this is 2005, they boasted that they drafted up uh, this, this uh, new integration policy and they presented it to the governments to sign. And then they went into why they'd have to, we have to amalgamate and become interdependent. Then when you shoot back before that, um, you'll find during the free trade negotiations in the 80s, um, they even debated where to put the new capital, because you've got to get a new capital city uh, that's the new bureaucratic city, and they decided Montreal was the one they favored most. Mm. As, you, as far as you can tell, are they on track? Are they on target to meet their dates? Absolutely. Well, then that doesn't uh, give us a lot of of uh, hope that we can we can uh, stall or, or, or thwart this plan? What would you say? Uh, you're right, and that's why. Uh, isn't it so fortunate that we're, we're, we're under this uh, really martial law situation right now under the guise of terrorism, and they're rushing it all forward, and under martial law, you don't have anyone to complain to. Uh, they're pushing all this ahead for national security. On the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, they even, had a, they even called it Fortress America. That's what George Bush was calling it. The amalgamation would become Fortress America with integrated um, uh, bureau bureaucracies, uh, customs officials would be totally integrated. Now, they already are at the borders. Uh, CSIS, that's the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, would be totally integrated with the CIA. That's already happened because the, the Canadian border officials are using FBI computers now with all the data on American citizens. That's in the newspapers here. So where does the prisons come in in this? I mean... Well, I, I got an article from the British Department of Defense, which is also the, uh, 
from their top think tank and it was published in the London Guardian newspaper it was a nine page report of a 90 page report I have the whole 90 pages on my website and that came out a few months ago and they had uh, envisaged nothing but riots constant ongoing escalating riots uh, coming from the general population uh, from now or from the, the, for the very near future right up into the to about 2030 and they talked about all the weaponry they'd have to use to contain all this violence nowhere did they say why Joe Public would be rioting in the first place but remember this is the top think tank for the British Department of Defense it's also the top one for NATO the US is part of NATO so what's scheduled now is the complete takedown of the old society uh, something that the elite have been after for a long time the abolition of all private property for the ordinary person uh, the new system of habitat areas and the new indoctrinations the creation of the new types of humans to come along uh, is full steam ahead it's the whole agenda that they're going, right, uh, going for right now so, so have you heard anything about the, uh, the supercomputers that, that they've actually uh, run a parallel population is yeah. this, okay so yeah. is this maybe where they're getting this idea of knowing what we're going to do in the next 30 some years <laughs> well what's interesting is that I've, I've got the articles on my website from the main sources and, and the CIA set it up for the Americas a parallel existence <laughs> a, a, a network reality where they've taken everyone's ID all the information they have on you personality profiles and given a double of you that exists within the internet like a matrix system and and I was thinking to myself, you know, when they give us interfacing, even though it's, it's like brief moments of interfacing with the computer, they're even talking about using it in the business world where you'll be at virtual meetings and so on, and they're given a sense of presence so you'll feel what seems to be the person next to you, although you haven't even left your own room. You're still sitting on your own. So this is all real. It's been IBM, magazines, etc. So they're making a, an individual or a, a replica of every single individual. And the Pentagon's involved in this, by the way. And they're not telling us why they're doing it, but how easy it would be to get you to start to go into a, a matrix uh, a relaxation um, a state for, say, half an hour a day for a, a, a couple of years, and gradually get introduced until you wouldn't know which one you were in eventually. That's pretty wild. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and the point being that if you flipped over into the other system, then you would lose your autonomy. Is that correct? That's right. Then you would be under the control. You would be then a kind of a. Uh, well, they've already said what they've said. In fact, the human being, the brain capacity is so large that you could literally think you were um, the Moonraker or James Bond on the moon, uh, or, or in bed with a beautiful woman. Um, meanwhile, you could actually be cleaning out a barn and reality but you would never know it so then this kind of slavery might be pleasant <laughs> yeah <laughs> could be anyway huh except for this that's is that's right this is and, not and that's what they say and Huxley said it himself he said um, I'll do Huxley at his speech at Berkeley and I put that on my, my site two people should listen to this man um, big player uh, he, he knew the agenda he was in Tavistock Institute he worked for them and he's talking about genetic ma manipulation in the 1930s when he wrote the book. Long before, supposedly, they discovered the genes, 
and um, he's writing about uh, all the different kinds of humans they would create for doing all the, the menial tasks and so on. But on in his speech at Berkeley, he he talks about why a scientific dictatorship not only should work but would work, and and that he could see no reason why it wouldn't take over and could run forever. The public would never ever know what happened to them. He said most people are unhappy anyway. What I didn't stress is the fact that yeah, he knew that because the system they'd given us already, with with worry and debt and poverty or keeping ahead or keeping alive, is meant to keep you stressful. Uh, that's the system that's designed. And um, he says most people are unhappy anyway. He says what's wrong in using drugs or putting <coughs> wires in their brain to make them happy. Uh, so you were saying earlier about these different uh, humans. Uh, what were they going to do with the ones that were already here then? Or were they going to become those or were they going to get rid of well, us? Well, it's, it's an odd thing in history. When you look at um, even Egyptian pharaohs, the whole idea of embalmment was to try to contain the body forever because the dream of all those who've ever had it so good, what they call the good life, as Bertrand Russell called it, a life which is pretty well stress-free, which it always is if you're psychopathic, you don't, you don't carry stress around with you. Um, however, they have the good life, they have all the, uh, their sensations attended to, to an excess, they love life, and immortality uh, has always been one of their goals. Um, David Suzuki, who also works for the World Wildlife Fund and does lots of nature programs, and who is a geneticist, in fact, um, said on national television in Canada, he said, uh, we have the ability now to make a person live till they're 500 if we want to, barring accidents, you know. And, uh, but however, since the, the whole mandate of the United Nations uh, is population reduction, because they do have a Department of Population Control at the United Nations. And I keep asking people, what, what do you think they mean by control? They don't sit and make wish lists up. They enact them. And they do it. They bring the populations down. They can't ask for volunteers, so they simply do it. Um, but uh, So they have the ability to, to, to give life extension for incredibly long periods if they want to, but they're not going to give it to everyone. It's only going to be for themselves. And so... Technically, um, even from a religious side, if, you, if you're into religion, uh, it would be the dream of a demon. A demon, by mythology or ancient standards, used to be something which held to a demon was the absence of the physical body and sensation. Like a mind in space, you couldn't feel anything, just, just a mind that could think. And so heaven to a demon is, is to have the occupation of a host or a home. And it's so interesting to look at all the religions at the top and what they're all into, even Maurice Strong. If you go into his little Baca Grande uh, group there with all the different um, uh, religious leaders he brings in there, uh, they're, they're all into this uh, fixing the spirit or themselves, or call it a demon if you want to, uh, into the physical body forever, both unified on earth forever. That's the goal. Now, I'm afraid the idea of fixing uh, the spirit to a body forever still escapes me. Is this supposed to be done with science, with uh, genetics? What? Uh, absolutely, through genetics as well, uh, plus um, 
they they they, um, they understood the, what they called the the, the time or, or clock gene, aging gene, a long time ago. And once you understand uh, uh, the bottom level of physics or biology or or any of the sciences is from professorship down. Higher sciences are kept quiet and kept out of the mainstream. And we found this, for instance, with Nick Bagage, who came out with technology that the CIA had used in the 1950s, and he demonstrated it on the, on the CBC television here on Wendy Mesley show. Um, he told her to stand 20 feet away. He pointed this little thing about the size of a, a TV remote uh, at her, her head, and she heard music in the middle of her head. And he said, I could easily put words in just the same. And this was solid-state technology. It was so small, it had to be. Before the public were even given access to what we thought were transistors were the latest thing. That was the next step. But they were already in microcircuitry. And the CIA had that in the 1950s. And they were using it on, on, on different people. Who no doubt got locked up in, in institutions for hearing voices. Mm-hmm. And he had a whole table of this stuff. And he says, this is all obsolete. Wow. Obsolete. So... So the higher sciences are always kept from the general populace, and uh, and that's how you keep control of the world. Everything that's given to the public is obsolete technically. It's never going to be used as a threat to uh, a ruling majority, minority, and that's the way they like to keep it. And I often thought it was so weird that they're using basically the same firearms, uh, updated, okay, uh, but they're, they're firing ball and powder, uh, through various weapons today for the military, and yet they, they have scalar technology weapons that can wipe out whole battlefields uh, just by putting a beam of light across it if they want to. But they want us all to still be back in, into this old-fashioned way. This is the best we've got. So when they turn the, 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 the new weaponry on the public, uh, it'll be quite the surprise. Well, indeed, and we had our first interview, uh, Mel- Melody and I, with the uh, Dr. Jim Fetzer, who was the founder of Scholars for 911 Truth, and we talked two hours about the, uh, uh, mostly about how the World Trade Center 1 and 2 may have come down with some combination of, of uh, uh, cutter charges that would be more or less conventional, but also using uh, perhaps mini nukes and most intriguingly uh, Star Wars beams of some kind. And he he's coming around to that conclusion. And, of course, I think that this would be a very unpopular uh, uh, conclusion from the point of view of the government. If, if this gets out, that this might have been the case, then, then they would lose the element of surprise, wouldn't they? Uh, to, to be honest with you, I, I don't even go there. And I'll tell you why I don't go there. By studying history and studying even um, people who wrote in retrospect of history, people who helped plan wars, and how to pull off major wars, and who then published their, their, their memoirs. Um, they, they've all said the same thing. It's not necessary that the, it's not important even if the public uh, are fixed on, uh, fixated upon the start of something. It's just because we must also be so so quick to implement new changes quickly in the first few years. Once that's happened, you cannot switch it off. And so all they need is a spark to start it. And, and even if they came out with proof afterwards, yep, we did it, um, it wouldn't matter. This agenda is on a roll now. And what they say is that uh, no army is ever pulled out of the field once they're put in there until the job's done. And, and even if you change governments, they'll, they'll say the same thing. Well, we can't take the people out. There'll be chaos in that land if we pull them out now. That's what they'll say. 
Uh, are you uh, then agreeing or disagreeing with the Star Wars hypothesis for how the World Trade Center buildings came down? Oh, I don't think they even needed Star Wars technology. I'll tell you, uh, do you know who rebuilt uh, and bomb-proofed the World Trade Center after the first World Trade bombing? Uh, no. It was the Ben Laden Bush amalgamation. Do you realize that the Ben Laden's family are the biggest uh, builders of bomb-proof shelters across the planet? Okay. No, I didn't know that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, the, the CBC, how, that, how did everybody else miss that? It was in Canada. Uh, the CBC showed that on the day of September 11, 2001, when this was happening, George Bush Sr., the senior partner uh, with, the, with the Ben Laden Consortium, fa the family, uh, were at a meeting in another part of New York at the time that explosion happened. Now, I've heard that, but I didn't, I didn't realize that they were the ones that had reinforced the building. That, they were that, the ones that got the contract, yeah. Okay, so did they reinforce it, or did they play a part well, I in... I suspect the first one was, that it was, was, was the excuse to get in and plan everything they eventually used. Ah, okay. Ah. That's, that's a very interesting uh, idea and, and perhaps true. Um, yeah, um, you're tying a lot of things together here. One thing that maybe is still confusing to a lot of us is uh, this idea of a psychopath. And you actually have a word for rule by psychopaths, I believe, that you use, don't you? What do you, what do you call a, a world run by psychopaths? You call it... Uh, a pathocracy. A pathocracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't quite say that. Pathocracy. Okay, so a psychopath then is someone who can kill, steal, uh, lie, cheat, uh, swindle uh, without feeling remorse. Is that correct? Yes, they, they, they can be emotional. They can show emotion. I have seen some exposés of some of them on television that, that helped to get the Vietnam War on the go, and they can get all emotional. Tears can come from their, to their eyes especially when they're talking about them being awarded uh, high honors, etc., because they are egocentric. They're e the world revolves around the psychopath, and uh, they have an ability, a, a gift they're born with, of, of studying people, knowing intuitively how people work, in a sense, and how to manipulate them for their own ends. And they, they do not feel remorse about anything. They have no guilt, um, Winston Churchill used to order major battles to, to proceed, even though they knew that uh, uh, their forces would get wiped out, like Dieppe. He knew that, uh, and so did uh, Lord Mountbatten, they knew that this plan to, to give a, a, a trial invasion of uh, France at Dieppe by the Canadian troops, they knew that the Germans had heavily reinforced that and they didn't have a chance, but they, they set it off anyway. And that night, Winston Churchill was getting drunk at parties. These guys have no conscience. And, uh, okay, so the, the two kind of directions that the species then could go, one would be towards this manipulated uh, drone slave uh, genetic uh, uh, being that you're talking about. The other would be the master race, and the master race would be psychopaths. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's interesting how they themselves <laughs> put it. I mean, Charles Galton Darwin. Remember, the Darwin family is uh, extremely interesting because they were already practicing special selective breeding in, in Charles Darwin's day. These families were already practicing this. It wasn't new. The Darwin family only intermarried for generations one other family, and, and that was the Wedgwood family of, of the Wedgwood fame pottery, you know. 
and uh, Charles Darwin's grandfather married one, his father married a Wedgwood. Um, Charles Darwin's, when, when his wife died, uh, he married her sister, who, 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 was, who was also his aunt, another Wedgwood. They were already practicing selective breeding for special traits, and, and uh, that's been going on for a long time amongst these, these high elite types. But along with that, um, you can also breed traits in or out. And Plato talked about this in his book, The Republic. He said, eventually we shall breed humans like animals. We can breed out certain traits by interbreeding certain ones or breed in certain traits. Well, if you have psychopathy there and you're always marrying and, and breeding psychopaths, you're pretty well guaranteed another psychopath. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I uh, imagine you've seen the uh, the documentary video called "The Corporation." Uh, yeah. yeah, it's fascinating because uh, the uh, the person who made it uh, uh, was also knew something about psychology, and he decided to try to do a psychological profile of corporations based on their behavior, and he came up with the behavior of corporations uh, identifies them as a classic psychopath. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 yet he also points out that this this entity, this legal fiction that we call a corporation, has been legally engineered to have these characteristics to to kill and steal and yeah. and lie, etc., without guilt, without feeling remorse, and to do so indefinitely because a corporation can live forever. So in a sense, the corporation then seems to have become kind of an institutional mirror of yeah. that mindset. It is, and, and that's the dilemma we're in. You see, psych psychopaths down through the ages, uh, especially since the introduction of money, that was the key to it. Uh, they are the most aggressive, the most cunning. They know how to manipulate others to do work for them. They end up at the top. And as long as we have the same system, we'll have the psychopaths at the top. They're ruthless. They'll claw their way up there. They don't care who they destroy to get there. And they've given us a psychopathic culture to emulate and, and I'm not kidding about that. Our whole culture is a psychopathic uh, culture. We might not feel we might, might feel things, might feel sorrow, might feel pity, but in reality, the culture we're in is about winners and losers. And uh, we're trained at school to compete, 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 right up the ladder, go into the workforce, compete, compete, get to the top. And when you get to the top, you're worshipped by the public. The public worship the, the Donald Trumps and all these characters. They worship the stars. And because the culture we're given is a psychopathic one, and as long as we have it, there's only one way we can go. That's the road out of Eden, as they say, as this path we're on right now. And, and money and the creation of money is really at the center of this whole process. Is that correct? Yes. Uh -huh. Money money came from an, an old uh, Middle Eastern term uh, for, for men because you, you counted the heads of your slaves, and eventually that became money, uh, that's where the term comes from. And uh, uh, we are technically slaves in this system. We are owned according to all the laws. Um, anyone who t who's registered to any government is owned. Same with your car. That's why they can steal your car from you. They actually own it. And so uh, we registered. We are owned. And um, as I say, this is a psychopathic culture. Uh, and the further we go along in it, the more the more and more people are becoming psychopathic like themselves as they accept the culture which is showing its teeth now, is bearing itself, it's showing itself of what it is. And when we lose that common bond between each other, then we're all at the mercy of the ones at the top. 
Well, this is why the destruction of Christianity is is important to their uh, to their long term plan, the destruction of the church, because it, for whatever faults it has, it it does preach kindness, tolerance, love of your neighbor, love of your enemy, and protection of the poor. Uh, well, it's been so warped over the ages too, though. Uh, when you look into the Latin and then you go into the, the Hebrew and you look into the other the Aramaic uh, languages, it's been changed so many times for political purposes, mainly by those at the top, and uh, that have taken the teeth out of it. It was never meant to be an institution. Uh, inst- uh, how come these top churches, who have all their sheep following them, never tell their, their congregations what's going on? Good point. Good point. Neither the Vatican... Nor, nor any of the big boys, uh, the, the Billy Graham caliber, come out and say, wait a minute, people, you're being poisoned, you're being manipulated. Uh, the UN has a department of, of population reduction. Uh, here's what's been happening to you. None of them will, will do that. Christianity, when it came out, was supposed to be an individual thing. Once it becomes institutionalized, it's now an organization which is ruled by a leader. All you do is put in the leader, and then you have all the sheep follow. So, have, do you ha- what numbers have you heard about their population reduction? Is there, um, I mean, is it something like the Georgia Guidestones, or, or? Oh no, long before that. Um, I, I I got old British books. I was so interested in this uh, propaganda we were given because. Um, about too many people uh, that started to come out about the 70s they started to get the, the drum beats going then and I got a hold of old books on the very same topic written around the 1920s where uh, many authors were pointing out uh, that the true statistics because the con game of overpopulation was getting put out there by the days of Malthus and Thomas Malthus was a, uh, an East Indian uh, economist for East India Company uh, for the British uh, Crown again, who owned the, that company. And uh, Malthus came out with the necessity of population reduction, and again, the same thing, the fear of the commoners breeding too quickly, and there'd be too many of them, they would outbreed the elite. And so he devised ways of de- uh, reducing the population, restricting diets of certain things, changing the diets, putting, them, uh, putting housing up in swampland so they'll die off quicker, all of this kind of stuff was all advocated, uh, and should read the, the. He put a book out on it. You know, uh, people should get a hold of that book and read it. That's how far uh, back this, this whole thing goes. But he also brought out graphs, and it, and it's like um, it's like Theo Roosevelt said. He says uh, there are lies, there are damned lies, and then there are statistics. If you call something a statistic, it sounds much more scientific, and we swallow it. Well, Malthus came out with all these statistics and graphs to show how the population uh, by the year uh, about 1900 or even even before that would, would all be walking over each other according to his own data and as they've been using lies from the very beginning uh, to, to, to try and prove this data of overpopulation what it is in history if you look at the history of elite rulers and dynasties they always turn around and try to kill off certain portions of their population because they become paranoid. They know what they're up to will get caught on to eventually, and they become paranoid, and they want to cull the population to a manageable level. It's just the same old thing again. What about the global warming? The global warming is is a beauty, because uh, (laughs) uh, the Club of Rome is one of the biggest foundations. They're a planner. 
uh, what they do is come up with ideas to manipulate the public, the whole worldwide. And they're authorized. They're, again, they're affiliated with the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Bilderbergers and so on. But their speciality is to find ways to bring the world into a cohesive structure. And they published a book. The two founders published a book in the 1970s, and it's called uh, The First Global Revolution. Uh, and it's by the Club of Rome. People should get a copy for about 75 cents. Yes, used, no problem. In the book, they said, we sat around the think uh, tanks uh, trying to find ways to unite the, the planet. Uh, invasions from Mars, all that stuff was, was discussed. Could they convince the public where we're getting invaded from outer space? Would that take a lot of propaganda? Uh, how many years would it take? Then it, they said, we hit upon the, the, the better idea. We'd claim that the public were causing the planet to warm up and they were destroying it. Therefore, man would become the enemy of the planet. And then they'd take over all the, the land, etc., to manage it better so they could save it, etc. It's all in their own book. And the carbon credit thing? Or car, is it, am Pardon? I saying that right? The carbon credits? I, you know, they're... You know, oh, the carbon credits! Oh, how beautiful! You know, King James the the first. You know, King James the uh, um, gave us the King James Bible. He brought out the fresh air tax and the light tax in his day, and that's why you see a lot of windows walled up in old homes in Britain, the old homes that existed back then. It was taxing you on how many window panes you had in the windows, and if you could open the windows to let the air in, and they called it the fresh air tax and the light tax. We're seeing the same farcical things being repeated again, and and I'm trying to give it scientific explanations. We are being extorted. It's as simple as that. Well, I I find your insights to be totally fascinating because uh, I must admit I've been fooled by some of these issues myself over time, and uh, I'm starting to you know like pull the curtain back myself and starting to see the uh, the patterns that that you've also discovered. Um, so what I'm gathering, the think tanks, the foundations, the secret societies are ways in which these uh, elites can network and promote a common agenda internationally uh, yep. towards a plan which was defined uh, perhaps centuries and millennia ago. Uh, yes, it was. As I say, they, they, had, they had what was termed to the international meetings. Uh, the Concert of Europe was one of the biggest ones. Uh, where they set up the future agenda. They knew they couldn't keep uh, this game up of pretending to fight each other and live off of the profits of their armaments and supplies, etc., because wars are very profitable. And they looked towards a, a global system and uh, how they would pull it off, bring it about. And even before World War I, uh, people like H.G. Wells... Now, H.G. Wells was trained himself by uh, Sir Thomas Huxley, the grandfather of Aldo Huxley, uh, Sir Thomas Huxley um, had what he called the Red Sky, uh, Red Tie Club. Each member got a red tie for revolution, and they were funded by again the, the British, the British aristocracy. They trained authors to go out to to bring in these predictive programming novels into us, so we'd all kind of want to go in that direction, never realizing the whole plan. And uh, before World War One, H. G. Wells wrote and said, we need a world war to bring this into fruition, to bring the beginnings of a world government together. Before he did that, you've had poets like Shelley. Shelley wrote the poem about the Parliament of Man, and that was, the, you find that um, even 
presidents of the United States used to read that. Uh, we find it with uh, Truman. Truman used to read that that poem. Uh, the end of that poem at every major speech he gave, he'd pull it out and he says, uh, you know, when the when the cannons roar no more, etc., and we'll all be together in the Parliament of Man. This is this was written in the 1800s. Could you, uh, Alan, uh, this is my curiosity, and I think it still might be interesting to many others. Uh, you, you, you kind of summed up the situation in the Baca very quickly in terms of the unification of, of spirit and, uh, and extension of life and uh, the reason why maybe Hannah and, and Marie Strong have, have cultivated this, this series of uh, spiritual groups, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, etc., uh, for their own purposes in some way, but I can't quite uh, get my mind around it yet. Could you explain that a little better? Well, yes. Uh, everything that's happened for the last couple of hundred years, or maybe more, they've always needed the compliance of the public. And we do. We go along with everything that happens. World wars come along. We go along with it unquestioningly. We're taxed more for wars, as always, to keep us safe. And, and meanwhile, every war, like Carl quickly said, is to change society. That's its main function, because governments grow uh, exponentially when, they, when the wartime is there. They, they take over all industries, all agriculture, everything that's vital for survival. They take it over, but they never let it go. And that's the reason for modern warfare, is to take over every facet of human existence and put it into the hands of bureaucracies that serve their masters at the top. Um, so they need us to acquiesce. We acquiesce to so much in our lifetimes by our silence. We say nothing. Now, for years when we thought we had it good, especially in, in Americas, um, in the 50s and 60s, when there was a, 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 a sigh of relief after world wars and people tried to have some a good life themselves, they, they forget that Truman, for instance, wrote into uh, law uh, a series of ongoing wars. They realized that without World War II, the Great Depression wouldn't have stopped. People don't realize it wasn't just the 20s. It right through the 30s, too. It was World War II and the borrowing of money that suddenly appeared, of course, they had none before it, but suddenly they could borrow money and they could have a world war, uh, that's what pulled them out of the Depression. And they were afraid to go right back into it because half their industry was based on war production and materials. And so for 50 years you've had wars all over the planet, ongoing wars. Uh, Latin America, the, the, the School of Americas, has been training people and sending them down there to assassinate and kill and slaughter for 50 years ongoing wars. So when we were dancing it away and having a good time, we were oblivious to the fact that people were getting slaughtered all over the planet. And anyone who wouldn't go along with this world agenda or adopt the same culture, which is also an imperative, they won't allow any other competing culture to exist as this one or nothing, then it'd have to be eliminated. Well, we're seeing it all come together today, because the only countries left are, the, are those in the Middle East that are different and they're not standardized. We're seeing the standardization of the whole planet. And, and the situation in Crestone and the spiritual groups and the, uh, uh, the, the unification of spirit and, and, uh, and matter that you were talking about there? Well, for the elite themselves, they claim that's what they'll have. As for the general population, I don't know. All I can say by observing the general population 
uh, I think anyone who's followed this and who has a drive to follow it, um, you find you are different because when you look around you, you do realize most people don't want to know. And you have to ask yourself, why am I so different from them? I think we all get to that stage. And you ask, is there anything in you that's not in them? Because you, you, you have no more... Why, why is the minority aware of what's happening? And why are they so concerned when the rest hear the same kind of news uh, and, and toss it out their minds and don't want to know it? Um, another good part of the population is they're all into all the different religions and the New Age where they just uh, you know, meditate for themselves and pretend everything's happy. Um, why are we so different? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's something different with us genetically or if there's something in us that makes us different. All I know is we are different, but we also care about society. What you find about the majority of the public today, they don't care about anyone except themselves. See, in my mind, I would say that that is, a, that is really a spiritual gene, to have compassion for, the, for other beings, to have a compassion for uh, suffering creatures in Africa, people in, in, in other parts of the world that have been you know, stomped on by the boot of, of empire. Yeah. Uh, I would say that's true spirituality, but uh, I guess yeah. you know, these are just terms. You know. Yeah, and there's, there's definitely something there. I mean, why do most people... And I noticed during the Vietnam era where it became the standard fare to, for people to, to munch their dinner in, in the evening and watch the news, and, and they're watching people getting napalmed, and it, it eventually didn't affect them. They were being desensitized. Mm -hmm. And today we know what's happening over in the Middle East. is total war, and I mean total war, uh, in Iraq. They, they weren't hitting the wrong targets when they blew up baby food factories. You go after the infrastructure for survival for the whole population. That's what they were doing. And, and they disguise it by a mistake. There are no mistakes today. Uh, they're having total war on populations, and the majority back home don't care. They don't care. Well, Alan, I'd, uh, if we can kind of sum up what, I mean, we cover a lot of subjects. <laughs> yeah, this has been tremendous. I <laughs> yeah. appreciate your, your tremendous insights. It's really, really stunning. Yes, and I really appreciate you coming on and spending this time with us, and um, I'd love to have you back again sometime. Um, and in the meantime, uh, you can be heard on RBN with your own program, the Republic Broadcasting Network, correct? Yep. And and then uh, uh, WTPRN, you have a program on Thursday e evenings, too? That's scheduled, yeah. Okay. Oh, so you haven't started it yet, so. No. Okay. And then your uh, website is Cutting Through the Matrix. Yeah. And I'll also be doing uh, my own podcasting as well. And all I, can I give uh, educational talks every so often uh -huh. with the histories uh, and all the books you should get a hold of and uh, advise people to beware of following leaders. They, they always give us leaders who always lead us off in the wrong directions. And we've got to start becoming individuals again because the elite said a long time ago they'd have to destroy this cult of individuality. The individual is unpredictable. The collective is much more predictable. They want a predictable society to control. And you have a list of books that you recommend somewhere? I have them on my website okay. and in lots of my talks. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Well, again, thanks a lot, Alan. And uh, We uh, sure appreciate it. Thank you, sir.
Okay. It's been a pleasure. Uh huh. Thank you. And we'll send you a copy of this interview. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank okay. you, Ellen. Okay, okay. Good night. Good night. Good night. And this has been Truth Quest. And coming up next will be Joe Frank. And uh, this is KHEN 106.9 Salida. And, and this, again, like I said, is Truth Quest with uh, Dr. Carlstrom and Melody.